Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Throwback Book Stack. If you haven't listened to our podcast before, we are a show where we reread the books of our childhood, and now that we are old, cantankerous adults, we look back on them, see what do we still love, what do we now hate, what's good, what's bad, what's just a question in judgment. I am one of your hosts, Kelly. And I'm Emily. And this week, we are here with Robin McKinley's book, Beauty, a retelling of beauty of the story of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it was published in 1978, and in 1998, it was a Phoenix Award honor book. Um, other than that, it is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. So if you are familiar with Beauty and the Beast, you are probably familiar with the concept of this book, but we are still going to summarize it for you anyway. I didn't know it was published in 1978. I feel like that makes a lot of things make more sense. <laughs> See, this podcast is about learning, including oh. for Emily. Um, yes, well, I read this book when I was young, I would like to say. I have never read this book. And this was in, I believe I've talked about this before, on the Ella Enchanted podcast, at least, possibly the Dealing with Dragons. It was my phase where I was really into retellings of fairy tales. Um, and this was about my limit of, I like retellings of fairy tales, but not necessarily dark retellings of fairy tales, because I feel like those sometimes get kind of boring. <laughs> And this was about my limit for how dark I wanted to go. It's not that it's super dark, but it's definitely not, like, funny. <laughs> it has a lot more drama. Yeah. Do you want to do a summary of it? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, so basically there's, um, takes place in an unknown time and land. <laughs> you know, everyone's favorite. Where there's, like, a rich family who lives in the city in the south. And uh, the dad is a merchant who has kind of come from nothing and worked his way up and become super rich. And he married, I just want to point out, I didn't realize this when I was younger, but he married a woman who was creepily younger than him. Um, a lot. What, he was think, 40 and she was 17? Yeah. And it was like a happy marriage, but like that little detail was like unnecessary. Like, come on, bump their ages a little closer together. Or just anyway, don't tell us. Right. You could have just said it was a May-December romance and let us assume that meant like 36 and 28 or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, and they have three daughters. And their daughters are all named uh, by their mom who kind of has like a whimsical side. And so their names are Hope, Grace, and then the youngest is named Honor. And when she's young, she kind of gets like an inkling that their names are a word other than like, you come here. And she's asking her dad about it, and he's kind of trying to describe what they, what they mean. And so she like kind of gets a hang of hope and grace, but then she's having trouble understanding the concept of honor, her own name. And when he's describing it, she's kind of like, huh, I wish she would have just named me Beauty. <laughs> and he thinks that's funny, and so like the nickname sticks. And so she is known as Beauty, hence <laughs> the Beauty and the Beast. Uh, they also, their mom dies, giving birth to their younger sister, who also dies. And they grew up without her, but, like, mostly have, like, a happy life. I'm always confused which one is older, Hope or Grace. I think it's, Grace is the oldest. Okay. Grace falls in love with a captain? Yeah, ship captain. <laughs> a ship captain. Someone involved in the father's shipping business, but not, like, a rich dude. And he is going to be sent out onto this, like, three-year-long journey that takes up, like, six ships in the father's fleet and all this. And they decide to get engaged, and she'll wait for him to get married for three years. And they're like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. 
And so he goes off and Grace kind of just like sits at home now. And they're like, you could go out. And she's like, nah, I'm just going to. Oh, the guy's name is Robbie. And she's like, I don't really feel like going out. I just kind of want to sit here and sew things and wait for Robbie. And so the other sister, Hope, starts to go out to all the like parties and stuff. And she falls in love with like a younger guy who also, I think, maybe works in the shipping yard. Uh, but like it definitely like he's like a blacksmith. Or he's something. an iron he's rot, like a, so he works yeah. on the the he's iron work for the ship. But he was def- a blacksmith originally. Yeah. So he works with metal, but he's definitely not like in the higher upper class like the guys that she's supposed to fall in love with. Um, and so she goes and talks to Beauty about it. And Beauty at this point is just kind of known as like like she always calls herself ugly, while her sisters are known as like renowned beauties. And, like, kind of hates her nickname because of it. And is also very, like, not interested in socializing. Like, her two main loves are horseback riding and, like, reading books and learning Latin. And so she kind of always, like, locks herself away to do, like, studying. And her sister's kind of like, what am I going to do? And she's kind of like, I don't think our dad will care. <laughs> like, if this is the life you want, then I think he'll be fine. Like, he's, you know, not from a rich background anyway. <laughs> And so before she can, like, talk to their dad about it and tell him that she's in love with this guy, like, they, dad's business gets hit by a string of, like, bad luck, basically, and he loses a bunch of ships, including possibly the one that Robbie was on. Like, basically, one of the ships kind of makes it back, and they're like, we hit a storm. I haven't seen any of the other ships. I don't really know what's going on. They don't come back. The family basically loses everything. Like, they have to sell, like, almost all their possessions. They have to sell the house, all this. And so this, like, metal worker guy that Hope was in love with, his name is Gare. It's G-E-R. So it's, like, either Gare or Ger. I think it's, like, it's short for, like... Well, it's short for Gervain. Yeah. But how would you pronounce just... <laughs> so I'd go Jer. Jer? Gervain. Sure. Oh. Anyway, we'll go with Jer. That sounds we'll go better, with I guess. We'll call him Gur. <laughs> I was calling him Gare in my head. Call him Gare. Gur. Anyway, he Get comes. I don't know. And they, he's like, hey, I have an idea. Like, they need a blacksmith in this village near where I grew up, up north. The mysterious up north. <laughs> yeah. Where there's magic and mysticism. Right. And so he's like, you can come with me. Like, there's plenty of room in the blacksmith's house. We can all live there. Like, we'll start over. You have enough money from the sale of your house and stuff to do this. And so the family's all kind of like, yeah, okay, seems fine. They journey north. And yeah, it is definitely seen as like the south is kind of like where things are normal. And north is where there are still like dragons and wizards and enchanted forests. And like no one really knows what's up there. (laughs) And the journey up north takes weeks and... You know, they're kind of like the the guy who kind of leads this caravan of people is like over the course of weeks is like, I've had to re- <laughs> lead a lot of rich people out of town when they lost their fortunes. And you're the nicest ones I've ever met. <laughs> like, and they get there and they set up shop and they all kind of learn to adjust to this new way of life where there's a lot more like physical labor and working. But they are pretty good natured about it. Like all of them don't really complain. They just kind of work hard and start to get along with the villagers and Gare and Hope get married eventually and all this. And um, that's a big portion of the middle. Beauty kind of like reaches out and tests a little bit the boundaries because like Gare's kind of like, they live at the edge of the village 
near the border of the woods and he's made some ominous like don't go in there <laughs> like I just I've heard stories I know you're southern folks and maybe you don't believe in magic there's some don't bad shit in, the in there don't go in the woods foreshadowing type stuff oh and also I forgot to mention when I said that beauty likes horses there was one horse one time in the city that was born and his mom died I guess and he was born early or something. He was like a sickly little horse. And she loves horses, so she was really little. And she, like, went and, like, basically camped out in the stable for weeks and, like, would hand-feed him with a bottle and, like, would read him stories. And so this horse is basically, like, an overgrown dog. And when I say overgrown, like, they describe him as being, like, the size of a Clydesdale. <laughs> like, like, he's huge. And he loves her. And the guy who owns the stables gives him to her for free whenever she leaves city and she's like you can't give me this gift and he's like no the horse won't eat without you it's yours bye and it's like it's very nice but like obviously the horse is devoted to her and is like her constant companion throughout this book and so they settle into their lives hope has twins they're all doing pretty well then they get word that one of the ships that was lost in that fleet that got sent out um returned and so the dad is like, I need to go see what ship it was, like, who came back. And, like, Grace is kind of like, maybe it was Robbie. And, um, side note, I wish we got more of Robbie, because, like, the two times we see him in the beginning, yeah. he actually does seem kind of cool. We really don't see much of him. We just see a lot of Grace being like, I'm still in love with Robbie. <laughs> yeah, Robbie seemed great. We saw yeah, him they, for, like, three seconds, though. Yeah, they talk about him for a lot for a character who has, like, maybe one line. <laughs> so the dad goes off to the city and it's one of those things that because the journey takes weeks, like he leaves at the beginning of autumn and then comes back, like shows up in the middle of March in a snowstorm. And they're all like, what are you doing here? I thought you were going to spend the whole winter in the city. And he's like, ominously, just like doesn't tell him anything that night or the entire next day. And it's like, just let me soak in being home. And then I swear I'll tell you what happened. And they're all like, OK, dude, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've all noticed that he looks 10 years younger for some reason. And so they finally set him down. He's like, okay, here's what happened. Like, he went off to the city. The boat wasn't Robbie's. It was a different boat. He kind of settled all that, like, sold the things that were on it, paid off the captain. The captain was like, yeah, I'm going to head back out. Like, I want to see what happened to these other boats. He was staying with a friend and was basically just, like, started to feel antsy. You know, like, I don't belong here. I want to get back to my other life. I'm living on this friend's hospitality. And so he decided to just take a horse and try to make the trip himself because the weather had been pretty clear and of course he hits a snowstorm and he like gets a little lost and ends up in the woods and runs into this like castle and like goes in and basically doesn't see anyone but it seems like someone is expecting it like the stable door just opens and he puts his horse in the stable and then like the castle opens for him and there's like a meal laid out and then there's a bed laid out and stuff and like he leaves the next day and he's like, thank you so much to no one, you know, and it's like, okay, I'll leave. And on his way out, he sees a beautiful rose bush that's blooming, like, and by bush, I mean like an overgrown, like, wild entanglement wall of giant roses. And that's when they tell you that when he left to go to the city, he asked his daughters if they want anything, but they were all like, we don't want anything. Like, we're doing great here. We don't need anything. And, like, one of them kind of jokes, like, yeah, what do we want, like, pearls to wear to all the balls we go to? And he looks kind of hurt. 
And so Beauty tried to make him feel better. So she was like, I could use some rose seeds. Like, I wanted to plant some roses in front of the house. And so when he sees that wall of roses, he remembered Beauty saying that. And he knew he couldn't, oh, he remembered he couldn't find any seeds in the city. And so, of course, he tries to pick the rose. A giant beast shows up and was like, I was kind to you, and this is how you treat me, stealing a rose. And he explains, like, it's for my daughter. She wanted it. And he's like, get out of here. Take the rose with you. You have one month. In a month, the rose will die. And if you don't return here, like, you can either send your daughter and she will live here. Like, I won't kill her. Or you can come back and I'll kill you. <laughs> like, And he's like, but one way or another, you're coming back. And he's like, and if you don't, I'm going to come after you. Dad makes it home and he, like, tells a story. And it kind of sounds crazy. But then his, like, saddlebags are full of, like, jewels and stuff. And they also have rose seeds in a box. And so they're all like, this story's real. And they're like, what are we going to do? And so, like, Beauty's like, well, I'm going to go back. Like, that's what's going to happen. Like, I'm not that much good here. Like, you don't... I do chores and help out and stuff, but I'm the one who you could get away with losing the most. Like, I'm not going to let you die. <laughs> and so... They kind of argue over it, but in the end, agree that's probably what's going to happen. Um, Beauty plants the roses, and because they're magic, they do manage to grow in like a month. And so on the last day before she leaves, she sees them. Magic. And that's the first time you see like magic, magic happen. And then she goes to the castle, and her dad leaves her, and she goes in. And then there's like a whole section about her life at the castle, which is like insanely huge and full with so much like furniture and paintings and jewels and cart like it's just like overwhelmingly elaborate there's like these weird breeze things that are like enchanted and like bring her stuff and kind of push her around a little bit like servants almost just like they bring every type of food you could ever want out for dinner and like dresses that are super fancy um she meets the beast eventually and then yeah just kind of sets up a life there where she's slowly like she takes her horse, so she reads the horse or rides the horse every day. The beast eventually kind of shows her the library, so she gets to get back into books and stuff, which she wanted. Um, she starts to hang out with him more, like they go for walks in the garden. You kind of see them like really hang out. I mean, there's no one else there really, so they spend a lot of time together. There's a lot of time like getting to know the castle. There's one or two weird instances where she's locked in, and she like freaks out about it. In the one, it's because she finds out that she can never go home and she like misses her family and she's been there for like six months at this point and she just kind of freaks out and like runs to the door but it's locked and she like bangs on it and then she like faints <laughs> and then like she wakes up and she's like curled up in his arms and then she freaks out because she was sleeping in his arms and then um after that moment she realizes that she can not only like feel these crazy breezes that are bringing her clothes and stuff but she also can hear them talking like with voices um, which isn't creepy at all yeah it's a like the magic in this book is really weird there's also those breezes she's constantly fighting with because they're always trying to dress her in really elaborate dresses that she doesn't want to wear but time goes on and she eventually like talks to her to the beast a little bit more about her family and he reveals that when she dreams about them, it's because he was sending her those dreams, and they really are just, like, slices of their life. 
and that he does the same to them by sending her dad like dreams of her like riding her horse around or like walking through the garden or something and then he like shows her how she can kind of check in on her family Mm -hmm. and it's revealed that robbie is still alive and has just gotten back to the city and she's like i have to go back and tell grace and so he agrees to let her go for one week she takes a rose with her Man, this summary is long, but this book is also long, so... Yeah, but not, I feel like you're adding so... Like, you're making it seem like things happen, and that's a lie. <laughs> All this really happened! It happened, but, like, just not a lot happened. Go, go, um, go. So she goes back to the house to tell Grace. She's there for a week. It takes her, like, three days to even tell her. And then they're like, you're only here for a week. Can't you please stay one more day? Like, you just told us you can't come back ever again. And so, like, she stays an extra day... And when she wakes up, like, the rose has died, and then she has to, like, ride back through the woods, but since the magic isn't working, it takes her, like, two days of riding to find the castle, and then she gets in there, and she runs up, and she finds the beast, and he's, like, dying, and she's like, you can't die, I love you, and then he turns into a human, and there's, like, a really, really weird and rushed ending where it's like, and all your family's on their way, and they're wearing these rich clothes, and then, yeah, just a wedding. Yeah, and then Great. it just ends. It's like, we're going to the wedding. It's like, what just happened? <laughs> that was a book. Yeah. So I had not read this as a kid. I had not even heard of this book. You had read this book. So what do you remember about it? How did this, how was the experience reading it for you? I mean, I remember pretty much everything, but that's because it's also like the tale of Beauty and the Beast, yeah. you know? It's a little more of the like original tale than like the Disney version. Like I know the original has her sisters being a little more evil, which I appreciate that they didn't make them evil in this. And um, and I don't think they like lose their fortunes in the original one. But yeah, I remember pretty much all of it. I really, I liked this book a lot as a kid. Like, not as much as maybe some other ones, but I did really like it. And rereading it was different because I don't, like, I did feel like it dragged a little. It was so long. I mean, even my summary was so long, and it didn't have to be. And there's details I left out. Like, yeah. There's a lot of plot points I didn't get into. I felt like a lot of that was unnecessary. However... The writing I thought was lovely and like the feel of this book was lovely, which is what I think I really connected with as a kid. It feels like a fairy tale when you read it. Like it feels kind of dark and like not like super gritty, but just like dark, but also magical. And like I like that the magic is kind of like it's not explained. It's not shown as science, which a lot of times magic in these books are where there's like there's a way to to control it or you do this this was kind of like more about like feelings and it just being around and it never like it was never really controlled and I liked that so yeah I didn't dislike it but it was definitely a different kind of enjoyment yeah I feel like one of the big strengths of this book is how it really does capture a good sort of moodiness there is a very fairy tale ethereal element to it that you're just kind of marinating in the whole time like every time that she's in that castle you're just in this very specific mood this very dark place and it really everything in its descriptions captures it really well and yeah i love i love the way the magic servants work in this that they're like shown through breezes and like brief cl- sounds they're like voices you hear on the edge of sleep and they interact with you but it's not super explained it's not like hello there i am a i am a cup with a face like that's not this book and i appreciate the fact that this is not Hello there, I am a teacup with a face. And the fact that, yeah, over time, as she adapted into the magic, it she was able to sort of hear them more and that they became more part of it. The one part that felt a little, like, 
The library was the thing I didn't know how I felt about it. I love the concept, but it felt hokey. The library was a little out of place in the rest of the book. Yeah. Because like then it made it seem like it was set in this world instead of just a magical world. Yeah. So I It played really... a little too hard with I am an author from modern times yeah. and I have this knowledge. I didn't really get into it, but basically when he shows her the library one day when it's raining and she's like, wow, I didn't know there are this many books in the world. And he's like, well, there's not. Some of them aren't written yet. It never says precisely like a time period they live in. But there's books like like Sherlock Holmes and Robert Browning when she's like, I've never even heard of these authors. And it's like this weird, like, it's just that there's magic. And so every book that ever will exist is there. Like, it's very unclear. But and also the fact that when she tries to read like Sherlock Holmes and things, she can't actually process some of the concepts, like the idea of cars she can't process. Right. And so there's a thing where if she like thinks too hard about it, like she can't read and understand the book. But like if she just sort of tries to but doesn't think too hard about it it sort of like forms in her mind and yeah she, she like it. zones out and doesn't really like just lets the words wash over her she can read it yeah but if she tries to think about like what's a car she that like, was a little too try hard yeah for me. and that was like you didn't need this like it was magical enough that there was a library yeah yeah like they, you could have gone the other way and been like wow lost books that i've only heard of that no one had like yeah, or even just that every time she goes in there, the books are in a different place or whatever kind of thing she's yeah. thinking of, a book for it could appear. You know, if she always found a book that suited her current whims or thoughts, it would be great. Like, having very specific titles and very specific authors was just, it was a lot, and it did not fit in aesthetically with everything else they were doing with the magic and everything. Yeah, it really everything. took you out of it. But yeah, overall, I think it was, like, the mood and the tone of this book that really, like, it was a lovely setting. Her writing is very good like it it just really it's easy to kind of like curl up and get lost in this book on like a rainy day or something you know yeah um, it's it's a very like chill out drink some tea in the cold in like a window seat in a very dramatic locale so if you're on vacation in like a beautiful cloudy coastal bread and bed and breakfast with like a pretty window seat like drink some tea and read this book yeah but for me so i'm just to establish my place in this, in my my relationship to the story itself of Beauty and the Beast, I am not a fan. Yeah, it's a little weird. Like, I also think that not explaining the magic makes it weird because it's like, I guess he's just under a curse until a girl says she loves him. Yeah. It's not really explained why or how, why that's the breaker. Or... Yeah, at least with like the Disney movie, they did... It was a little more clear established, like what the thing, what the curse was and yeah. how, what the parameters of it was. Here, there was like weird things where like, oh, you can't have birds here or any living creatures. And also basically it was that this like magician hated the family, but the family was so good and pious that he could never make a curse work. So the first time there's a fuck up kid, the fuck up kid got stuck with the curse. Yeah. Which kind of sucked. Yeah. As a concept. Normally, Beauty and the Beast, you often see that there is something deliberately done by this person that he learns through the curse and becomes a better person. Or there's the implication of that here that like, oh, he was kind of like a dick. And there's a whole thing with his portrait about his portrait seeming douchey. You don't really know if he learned something along the way. Also, because you don't just, even know what he did. Exactly. Like, I have a lot of problems with Beauty and the Beast and very specifically the Disney version of Beauty and the Beast because I think if you love him, he'll change is the worst fucking lesson. And if I could take that movie and throw it out a window, I would. I had to see it several times as a kid and I'm still angry about it. Also, I just like the Disney movies with animals. I didn't like the ones with people. Um, Thanks, Belle. 
But so I just, I hated Beauty and the Beast so much as a kid that I never read any of the retellings because why would I? Um, so the one thing I did appreciate about this book is it cut out a lot of the things I hate in terms of the Beast being a douchebag, abusive asshole. But on the other hand, when you cut those things out, there's not a lot going on. There's no like Gaston or any sort of villain or any sort of antagonistic character to do anything to move anything in the story along. It's basically... Once she gets to the castle, it's like, well, I'm chilling in this castle now. And he, the Beast is pretty cool. He seems like a nice guy. He's just kind of like emo and like weird and wants to marry me. And that's a creepo. And I'm just saying no. And it's all kind of fine. There's not a lot happening. There's not a lot, any sort of conflict going on that is actually moving things forward in a, in a engaging fashion. So you're really there for the mood. Like if you don't like the mood, you're not going to get much out of the book. Yeah, I think the big hurdle with Beauty and the Beast that you always have to get over is that, like, this woman has to fall in love with someone who's basically imprisoning her. This story is no different. The way they do that is by giving her an opportunity where it's like, you can leave, but if you do, this dude dies. Which is not great. I mean, I guess you could look at it Telling that a girl, just... if you leave me, I'll die is not good. He does meet, I guess I'm apologizing for him. It's not cute. Him, it's not romantic, even when it's literal. I know. I was like, it literally isn't. It's the cur. It's not like he's choosing to die, but he's telling her she can go back to her family for a week and then being like, but if you stay longer than that, I am going to die. So please come back. But also, there's nothing I can do to force you back. They did do their best it's to make great. it. It's yeah. not great. But... They took a, a very difficult story to adapt to modern day and they yeah. did the best they could to make it suck less and the fact that they gave her as much agency as humanly possible in it and they made him like as well reasonable as possible in it the but the that, problem is that story sucks yeah <laughs> i mean i guess the fact that she talks to her family about it and they're like you're, you're going back and she's like yeah and they're like don't and she's like no i want to like, well i was thinking more in terms of her original choice to go yeah that she and though even though he talks about it with her that like if you hadn't gone you would have regretted it because she he was like yeah if your dad had come back alone i would have just sent him on his way but he's like but you would not have regret you would have regretted forever not having made that sacrifice for him which also kind of like i just i get what they're trying to do with it and i appreciate it and i love a lot of things about the writing but i'm like Beauty and the Beast is a really hard story to redeem while still keeping to the original framework because yeah. as a structure, it's it just sucks. It is. And, and other... especially when you take out any sort of like, where it just everyone's fine and there's not a villain, there's not any sort of antagonistic factor other than there's a curse that we don't know anything about that's a problem. Yeah, the other real problem I had with this book was that she sees herself, Beauty sees herself as ugly and then, like, they kind of harp on it. And then at the end, it's like she's changed and gotten beautiful. Like, she's finally kind of, like, got out of her awkward phase. And it's like, oh, I never know how to feel about this, even as a kid. Because, like, on one hand, it's, like, kind of, you know, like, the ugly duckling type story. of like, you know, you might look awkward as a kid, but you're going to grow into your looks. But on the other hand, it was a little bit like, see, I was right. You were ugly before. Good thing you look great now. Like, where it's like. I kind of wanted, especially at the beginning when she first meets the Beast and she says something about her name, like being ironic, basically. And he's like, okay, if you say so. <laughs> like, And it's kind of like, I think you look fine, but I don't know, maybe I'm not a judge anymore of what He did point out he hadn't seen like. women for 200 years. Right? And I thought that was pretty great. I'm like, that's um, a good point. But it was also like, I almost wanted it to be like, even when he turns into this crazy, handsome man at the end, that he still is like, no, I still still think you're beautiful like that it didn't have to be that like she actually physically had changed 
Yeah, and I also don't think it was just her growing out of it. Because if you look at, like, her father coming back looking 20 years younger, mm-hmm. and a lot of the conversations about the enchanted water, I think it was literally that her being in the castle meant the enchantments mm. on the castle made her hot, and I hate that. Interesting. I never put that together. That's mm. just because of the way her father physically changed when returning from the castle. It just makes... And also, like, the way the breezes acted all the time, trying to, like, alter her appearance against her will. And, like, the fact that her hair color changed. That yes. was the one thing. When they well, talk about how her new look, her hair color changed, I'm like, yes, your hair color changes as you get older, but typically it's not when you're in your fucking late teens, naturally, necessarily. Yeah. I guess the part that really bothered me about the story, especially... I don't even know if it was especially in its younger, I think but the castle made her hot, and I hate it. I didn't... I didn't pick up on that, but I didn't care that, like, I would have liked the storyline of her not wanting to wear these fancy dresses that they're always trying to get her to wear if she just didn't want to wear fancy dresses, but she was always like, I don't want to wear fancy dresses because I'm not pretty, and since I'm not pretty, I shouldn't dress pretty, and that is a terrible message because it's like, first off, who are you to say, like, anyone can wear anything. Second of all, your idea of, like, what is beautiful is, like, crazy skewed also that i just yeah the whole thing sucked i was like that's like just let her not want to wear froofy dresses like i mean she is someone who enjoys like reading books and horseback riding and like when they moved onto a farm she always did the boy chores like quote unquote but like she was the one like chopping wood and hauling water and stuff like that while her sisters did the more like typical like cleaning the house and stuff <laughs> let her just not like froofy clothes yeah if you're being imprisoned forever and basically riding your horse and chilling all day you are obligated to wear the period version of yoga pants for your entire time there so yeah if she just been like i want to be comfortable that would have been great yeah i'm not hot enough so i don't deserve to wear a princess dress sucks i am not hot and i wear a ball gown to the grocery store on multiple occasions I have enjoyed it every single time. It rules. I fully recommend it. <laughs> Step one, get a ball gown. Step two, wear it grocery shopping. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not a ball gown person, <sighs> but ball gowns are so good. Well, no, about me, probably. Well, you know, I don't really wear poofy things or full length skirts mostly. That's fair. Both those have, you know, I'm not going to go into my. <laughs> Once you found a ball gown with pockets, which I have, uh, life gets better. Hmm. Life gets better. I mean, partly it's just because I'm short, so I don't really like things that also, like, weigh me down and make Fair. me... You're very tall, so... Yeah. I need the ball game. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm very tall. I have so much, so much of me. Yeah. I'll go more like this, the, like, vintage cocktail dress that's... Well, yeah. I wore that, like, Liza Minnelli dress hiking that one time. There you go. Anyway, we're getting off topic, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that, that part also wasn't great. Those were my biggest problems with the book, I think. Well, it was just things didn't happen. It's a very long book for things not to happen. It's like, oh, she's in a castle. Things happen. Oh, she found out about Robbie and she said, hey, can I go home? And he's like, that's fine. Yeah, She has a lot of feelings and internal conflict, but they kind of get run over and over. She kind of struggles with the same problems. And I feel like it gets a little repetitive in her thinking about them i kind of like i mean you know that's about me because it almost read like a historical fiction where it's like i liked the day-to-day i liked like them trying to settle into country life and how different it was like i liked that scene a lot yeah i feel like the first Um, part of the book like the first third of the book was the strongest part where they lose their fortunes and then have to deal with it i like you had conflict there you had struggle you had characters learning and adapting you had them learning new roles you had 
the emotional trauma of losing Robbie. You had a lot going on that I yeah. thought was really good. It was like once she went to the castle, I was like, oh. Well, I think that part could be a little shorter. I think they could have maybe knocked out some of her alone time and like exploring the castle and learning about the magic there and added a little, if they're going to have it be that long, adding more scenes of her and the beast. I mean, they did try and do a good job of making it like show that they got along and that they yeah. like literally were friends. Although I also just think that part of it is that I kind of think that beauty is a little boring. Yeah. <laughs> I almost wanted more from Grace's point of view. I was like, Grace seems awesome. Um, but maybe that's, I don't know why. I was like, yeah, they get along. I can see them being very happy together. They're both kind of boring. I don't know. They have a perfectly nice life and there's definitely nothing wrong with liking boring things or like being okay. Just But, but I don't need to read a book about it. The middle was a bit long and then the ending, like I said, well... The ending is wild. The ending is like three pages and it's like just so rushed and so like what the fuck happened was there a deadline was publisher going to press and you need to throw that book at it because basically all along every time like she went back that one time and also the first time that the father came back they had saddlebags full of like fancy clothes and so now they're on their fancy clothes showing up to the wedding out of nowhere how did you get notified how do you know this is happening why are you here yeah how did robbie make it back suddenly when she literally told grace two days ago that he was still alive and it's especially because he did journey. spend so much like, time emphasizing how long the journey takes I mean, and making it feel real obvious that it was magic but it was also just kind of weird that it was suddenly like the only magic you've seen in the book until then has always been kind of like little things or like more innocuous things it's not like suddenly appearing people out of the blue like i don't need my magic explained all the time like i'm good not having it explained all the time but you're pushing the bounds of what you want me to deal with by doing that yeah and it also was kind of a bummer in that i love how vague some of it was but i felt like the curse itself felt like they were setting themselves up more to delve into it because at one point like for instance it's really hard to get around this castle because everything sort of changes all the time and it's large and weird and magical so they go to this portrait gallery where she sees all the portraits of the family including the beast before he was a beast there's a portrait there of this kid that has douche face and it felt like they were opening there for her to sort of use the magic of the castle and this different like as exploring it to find out along the way more about this curse i mean she has a magical library you're telling me there's nothing in there there's no fucking diaries in some random room in this mysterious castle that like this ghost servants can kind of lead her to to help her discover what's going on with this curse what happened around it maybe she doesn't need to know how what what breaks it because obviously knowing that it's agreeing to marry this dude is a little much but seeing why it was cast in the first place in a way that other than this off statement about oh yeah this ma magician hated us and like waited for a douche in the family to curse was not ideal. It seems like there was a, a way to bring some mystery into it that they could have fit into the mood of the story. It would have given her a purpose, made her well, explore more, and actually done something. The timeline's a little screwy, too, because he says he's been there 200 years, which he knows, but it's like he has forgotten his own name because it's been so long. Yeah. And it's like, that seems weird. And 200 also, years like, of magic years. Also, like, you learn later that he's part of this family. And it's like, well, did you live here? Because at one point, when she's talking about getting lost a lot at first, he's like, yeah, that used to happen to me, too. And I was like, so has the castle always been magic? Or... Yeah, it seemed like, like the magic was new. Then it was like, but if you grew up here as a kid, why did you not know your way around, dude? Well, I'm wondering if it's just he's referring to her, like, right after the curse, and if the magic totally, like, 
change the castle because when they especially when they talked about how some servants agreed to stay in the weird magic form so i feel like the curse totally like fucked up the castle in a magic way but they didn't help give any clarity on this point yeah which again is like a little nitpicky in some ways because i did like that she never learned like you say this to get the servants to like that the magic did seem magical and like very whimsical it didn't seem like like a science or like this is what you do to control it which is not always bad either but i felt like in this setting would have felt weird and added more to the story that wasn't necessary emily yeah we have a podcast about books if anyone is allowed to nitpick (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's us and we are in fact obligated to do so so they talk a lot about clothes in this book (laughs) Oh, here we go. Here we go. Bring it. Bring it. I, it's been a while since we've had a good clothing book. I mean, yeah. we had sleeves in Anne Green Gables, but that's it. It's kind of weird because the clothes in this book don't stick out to me a lot. And that's partly because I think partly in keeping the timeline of when this is set kind of vague, they can't give too many details about like silhouette. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is this like the 1800s? Is this the 1700s? What is it? All you know is that the Beast wears a lot of velvet. If I had to pin a time on it, I think I would put it maybe in Elizabethan time because they talk one time about Jer wearing a lord's hat that's like big and the way they describe it is very like big and poofy and has a feather. (laughs) And that's really one of the only indicators we have other than that the Beast wears velvet a lot. But they describe like the material of the dresses, there's a lot of, like, lavish displays of jewels on everything. Like, everything is silk and satin and pearls and rubies. and There are a lot of diamonds yes. sewed into and brocades. everywhere and stuff. So there's a lot of descriptions of, like, how rich all the materials are. And sometimes when Beauty doesn't want to wear a dress, some descriptions of how, like, flimsy it is up top it's low cut or there's not a lot of sleeves or anything like that but i could have used i don't know i want i want to know exactly the silhouette too i want to know i was like is there a bustle is this oh what's the name of the robe things from the 1700s where you basically put a coat on over a skirt type of thing is there's the bodice separate is this like a medieval thing got a lot of clothing questions i feel like you may have put more thought into this than robin mckinley of course i did i love clothes <laughs> Yeah, I did. I mean, clothing was an important thing here, but less about it's less about what the clothing looked like and more about is this something that's like rich and lavish and over the top or is it something that's practical? And it seemed a lot with the clothing and also all the gifts in the saddlebags. It seemed to be written as rich people stuff. Like, yeah, it felt very much like she wrote at one point as a placeholder, rich people stuff insert here. And then afterwards, like, and then strings of diamonds and rubies and gold. And there were dresses covered in gold and diamonds and rubies and rubies and gold. Although, to be fair, that's also another that made it feel very like a fairy tale. Yes. Because there's so many fairy tales that involve literal, like, piles of jewels or, like, jewels falling out of girls' mouths. (laughs) That's a fairy tale. You know, like, it's always about those super impractical. It's never like this one emerald necklace that's set with some you know yeah because i'm like how are you even gonna like looking at the local economy if you say wanted to sell off these emeralds who in the local economy of the small town would buy emeralds 
No one. Okay, wear them to a fancy event. What fancy event is happening? That, like, what are these going to do other than take up space? Well, that's what the point they make in the book, too. I mean, that's like the joke that the sister makes when the dad's like, what do you want? And she's like, oh, strings of pearls to wear the ball. But, like, she's not trying to be mean about it. She's just saying, like, we have everything we need. Like, yeah. I don't need all these lavish things. Like, I'm good. And so, of course, they end up with them anyway, which they need for this wedding at the end. So right. somehow it's justified. I don't know. Right. Well, because even... I would like to see them Marie Kondo them out of their house. Well, even the one point is, like, when Beauty comes back for the week and she brings dresses for them that she just magically finds in the saddlebags. And they're like... They even say, like, well, these will be great. I'll think of you every time I look at it in my closet. <laughs> like, not, like, every time I wear it to church. Because, like, they're obviously too elaborate for that. Emily, you and I have been cursed with the same curse known as we have been bridesmaids. A uh, multiple times. <laughs> Those dresses stay in your closet like a fucking plague that haunts you and takes up space forever. This is what she has done to her sisters. Yeah, I actually have a bridesmaid dress from a wedding I was in a couple years ago. That did me a real solid because I had it draped over, I had this set of hangers where you can kind of like layer things mm -hmm. and it was on the very top and then the roof in my closet leaked and so now it has like a roof leak stain on it and I was like, you protected these other dresses. Good job dress. <laughs> like, that's you why you keep did something good. these bridesmaid dresses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've been a bridesmaid four times, five times. No, I can't even count anymore. Yeah, there's too many. <laughs> After the second time, they really blur together. Oh, God. Yeah, this, you only remember when you go into your closet and count the dresses. And that's not to say I didn't have fun. I just... I had fun at half the weddings. Look, I got real good at it I did not have fun end. at the other half. I had it down. I was like, this is what we do. Someone else was nervous. I was like, calm down. I got this. <laughs> at that point, I started to think that people were picking me just because they knew I would take care of things. Uh, I have been picked for a wedding specifically for that reason. I did not enjoy the experience. <laughs> I think I like weddings more than you, though. Yes. Guaranteed. We've talked about this before. <laughs> Although I will cry a lot. That's a guarantee. I won't. My heart's dead. I cried. 2019. I haven't been to a wedding in a few years, so. I tried so hard to have 2018 be my year without weddings, and I did not succeed. And I'm already committed to two weddings for this year. So um rooting for 2020. Year without weddings. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help you. I mean, I'm not getting married, so that's helping you, yes, I guess. Yes, you are actually helping me more than my other friends right now, so thank you. Thank you for this gift you've given me of not getting married. Oh, you're welcome. But if I did get married, you should know that I would elope and not have bridesmaids. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. For someone who loves clothes and weddings, I was like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> my mother would be super disappointed if I didn't elope. I am from a very pro-elopement family, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, when my last sister got married, my brother said he would pay me to elope. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you and me both, mister. God, yeah. this book happened. <laughs> like, I kind, I didn't know how I felt going into it just because I'm predisposed not to like Beauty and the Beast stuff. But then I was like, oh, I'm really enjoying this family. And then we went to the castle and I went, I'm bored and there's so many pages left. I will admit the castle part was kind of long and it did lose me a bit. It's lovely writing. I do like the characters. I like the characters other than Beauty and the Beast, which makes this book difficult. You know, I didn't mind Beauty as much before she went to the castle. Honestly, yes, I feel like the, she castle the castle she was great. made her a little more boring. Yeah, because she had nothing to do and the Beast is not as interesting a foil as her sisters. Yeah, and even hearing about her being like, I got to read Latin and horseback ride. It was like, meh. That's fine. I mean, good for you, but like. I mean, yeah, live your best life, but there's not a lot to do with that. 
there any quotes you liked? Oh, God. Are there? That's a great question. What is the soul of my feelings? I had some genetic questions. About how they all are very <laughs> different looking. How like, one has brown hair, is... one has blonde hair, and their mom has red hair. Yeah. I, I know, again, it's a fairy tale, so you just want... Yeah. it's. I was fine with, okay, one of them has gold hair, one of them has beautiful dark chestnut hair and then she has the boring brown hair like that's i'm like this is all fine and then it whipped out oh her mother with the red gold hair also all of them have different eye colors and i was just like there's only so much like mutation and recessive genes you're gonna have in one family with all of the daughters having different eye colors and different hair colors this is a lot you want me to believe and it's on page six so like you're really making me do this early guys I thought that writing in this was very nice. Here, I have a couple quotes. This one is when she's talking about when they're getting ready to leave the city after they lose their fortunes. And it's like, and while I grieved deeply for my father and Grace, there was little in the city or our lives there that I loved for itself. Although rather more that I took for granted, like my own maid and all the books that I wanted. I was frightened of the unknown that we face and of our ignorance, but I've never been afraid of hard work. I had no beauty to lose. There would never be any wrench at parting with high society. I didn't relish the thought of sleeping in an attic and washing my own clothes, but then it didn't fill me with horror either, and I was still young enough to see it in the light of an adventure. Like, it's just... Yeah. You can get lost in that writing, I feel like. it's Yeah, that's nice. Like, there's so much of that that is just nice. This quote is actually one that I remember, and I've thought about a lot in my life. <laughs> like, it really stuck with me, and I don't know why. But um, she's talking about them settling in and how, like, this is in the chapter that's kind of about the long, what's the word, acclimation to living in this country life. We three girls didn't fare quite so well, particularly at the outset. We realized in those first weeks just how spoiled we were and how unsuited for a life without servants. There's an art to scrubbing a floor. Not a very delicate art, but one that must be learned. I think of that a lot with a lot of jobs that people say are like unskilled or like yeah. something where it's like, you can get anyone to learn this. And it's like, that's true of most jobs. Or a lot of jobs, I would say, but it's also like, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a learning curve to almost anything, you yeah. know? It's one thing also to be able to do something, it's another thing to be able to do it well and efficiently. Yeah, so that quote really stuck with me. I have a quote. Mm-hmm. Who are you that you steal my roses that I value above all things? Is it not enough that I have fed and sheltered you and that you reward me with injustice? But your crime shall not go unpunished. This is the beast when the dad stole his roses. Because you know what? The dad is a shitty house guest. I realize more and more throughout this, I don't like the father. He kind of sucks. I'm with the beast on this. Pro beast. <laughs> yeah. This dude comes in, takes all your food, has a nice time at your house. And then he's like, you want to get on the way out to wreck your garden? I have a lot of very like strong gardening family members and friends. And yeah, if you came in their house and tromped in their yard to steal their roses... There would be a problem there. So I'm actually very pro-beast on this one. Father, bad house guest, kind of a dick. I have a quote that's the first time she kind of meets the breezes when she first arrives at the castle. And I just think this kind of sums up what they're like. And this is, I feel like, a very hard thing to explain. And she did a good job of writing it so that you understand. Uh, The doors swung silently but ponderously open, revealing a great hall lit by hundreds of candles in crystal sconces. As I stood dumb and staring, a little singing breeze swept out through the doors and curled around me. I could almost hear voices in it, but when I tried to listen, I lost them. 
It was a very small wind, and it seemed to exist for only the purpose of tugging at my sleeves and twitching the hem of my divided riding skirt and uttering what sounded like little cries of dismay at the condition of my hair and boots. No candle flames shivered in the draft, and no leaves tapped one another. The breeze circled eagerly around my shoulders, and feeling that I was being encouraged, I took a few steps forward towards the enormous doors. The breeze is like kind of... I really like it. It was a really cool way to show the magic of, like you said, not having a physical, like, here's a walking footstool. <laughs> I feel like the way they portray the magic makes it feel like something you can believe in a little more. It makes it feel more real than an image that is very clear. So I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I have two more quotes. One is that, this is just weird because I don't really know why it's in the book, but Hope has twins. <laughs> yeah. And they're, like, rarely mentioned. And it's such a weird little, like, almost like, why are they here? Because <laughs> they come up sometimes, like, they're one of the catalysts that makes Beauty really miss her family and want to look them up when she ends up going home. Yeah, because one of the kids doesn't talk, and the first thing she says is, when is Beauty coming home? Right, but it's but doesn't like... doesn't remember her when she gets home? I'm like, this is well, weird. That's actually... I felt like that was kind of true to a little kid, almost. I don't know like... a little kid, so that's possibly true. <laughs> I don't think she didn't not remember her as like I don't know like my niece will do that sometimes when it's been a while since I've seen her where it's like they act like they don't know you and they're shy and then you're like I got this sucker for you remember me now and she's like I remembered you <laughs> like it's just weird to have these little characters in but this part was from when she's describing them when they were born she's like Mercy was a happy healthy baby from the beginning and she was born with golden curls and blue eyes that would look straight to face bending over her. Richard was puny, bald, and shriveled looking, didn't eat well, and cried steadily for the first six months. Then perhaps he began to feel ashamed of himself, for he cried only at intervals, grew plump and rosy, and produced some reddish-brown hair. That's such a weird quote. <laughs> it is, and it's so weird, because it's like, why are you, like, digging on this little boy? <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey, baby, why do you suck? I'm like, damn, book, that's well, harsh. Like, if you're going to have them be such a little footnote, in the whole story of like yeah there's two twins why bother trying to give them weird like personality yeah. traits like that <laughs> yeah that was a lot uh and then the only other thing i want to talk about was that as a kid i felt as an adult i felt the scene where she kind of faints and then wakes up on him and freaks out kind of weird but as a kid i felt it made more sense because as a kid like when you're really little and she is too old for this in the book but like the first time you have a crush on someone kind of and like don't know how to react and just, like, kind of, like, freak out even if they, like, touch you. That scene really made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Where, like, she wakes up and she finds out that he tried to, like, pick her up from the floor. And she, like, clung to his sleeve unconsciously. And so he kind of couldn't move. And so she wakes up and she's, like, laying half across his lap asleep. And then she just, like, flips out. <laughs> As a kid, I remember reading that scene and that being, like, that makes sense to me. Of course you would flip out if you, like, woke up on this guy's lap. And even if you didn't know you had feelings for him yet, but you just know... It's like you don't know how to handle those feelings. But reading it as an adult, I was like, this scene is kind of weird. <laughs> this is a lot. I think that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I have, too. Ratings? Yeah. What are your feelings? What is What does your heart say? Wow, this is really hard. I don't know. How many petals fall off your rose? I think... How many great horses would you give this? I mean, I think I'm going to... That is kind of funny. Her horse's name is Great Horse. Great Heart. And she's like, Great yeah. Heart. Sorry. How many Great Hearts would you give this? And she's like, yeah, I named him when I was six. That was the <laughs> like, most realistic part. I was like, yep, that's correct. I think I would give this a five. I really try not to be like, books are 
fine and not good or bad. But like this one really felt that way where like you're right that the middle part was a little part of a slog to get through. But overall, I didn't hate this book, but then I also had some problems. Like, everything balances out where it's like, the beginning is lovely, and the writing is lovely, but then the writing kind of goes on. It's like, well, I had some problems, but I also liked some of the world building. I can't find anything about it that equalizes it one way or another to being anything other than just, like, middle of the road for me. Yeah, I'm also going to give it a five for the same reason. This book is the embodiment of the word fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, the writing is good. The style is good. The dialogue is good. The mood is good. The plot and action is non-existent. <laughs> like, the plot is not great. The The structure is not ideal. It's fine. I can't say I'd reread it, but if I had to, I would because it's fine. Yeah, I, I would give it to a kid. I'd be like, do you want this book? This book's fine. That book. Are you bored, kid? I mean, Go I could see myself read book. reading this again in the same way I did as a kid. I'm pretty sure I bought this over winter break. Like, I feel like I have memories of reading it while it's snowing outside. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think maybe in like a few years, I might try it again. Like, this is definitely but, a book I could also see rereading if you're like skipping a couple chapters. Well, that's like, exactly oh, I'm just it. gonna like skip this part. If I reread it again and I got to the part where I started to get bored in the middle, I could skip ahead. It's fine. Guys, it's fine. We're all <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. <sighs> yeah. But well, at least it wasn't none of the dark and gritty tale. I actually would have been more interested in that yeah you probably have would have not for me though <laughs> there might have been something that happened then okay well it wasn't a sad historical girl <laughs> yes thank you i did not have to watch anyone die horribly in this book so i guess in that sense it is fine yeah like, you can have it fine. one of two ways with me <laughs> well everyone thank you for joining us on this journey this beautiful beauty journey if you enjoy this book or are interested in talking more about it, you can find us on Twitter at throwbackbspod, and by us, I mean me. However, Emily has sort of joined in the realm of social media. <laughs> she made a Goodreads for us. Um, it is, if you go onto Goodreads and search for our email address um, on your friends, you can find us. Um, social media as I get. Yeah. Our email address is throwbackbookstack at gmail.com. Our music this week is Heartbreaker by Jazar at betterwithmusic.com. If you like us, if you want us to be happy, if you want to bring some tiny spark of joy into our week that is best defined as fine, uh, yeah. go on iTunes, leave a review, especially if it once has five stars, because that's a lot of stars and I enjoy stars. Next time we will be reading Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher. We're going to go back to Bruce Coville and it'll be great. So I hope you all join us again in the future for more books and reading of books. And books that we read. Woo! Reading! Doing it! Words! Pumping it up! Taking action! Letters combining! <laughs> I'm out. Reading books, reading books, books, old books, reading book. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm not, I don't have a song in my heart today. All right, but I expect next time you to have a theme song for us. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just because I've been working so much. Next time I'll work will have slowed down a little.
That's when I that's when I let the music flow. That's when the muse comes out. Yeah, there's really there's nothing in my heart right now except for the Dolly Parton songs I've been listening to on repeat. <laughs>